My name is Kimmer Foos, and I have been a professional day trader for 13 years. Welcome to the Life of a Day Trader podcast with the Foos4 trading team, Michael Spinoza and Robert Millar. You are going to learn the ins and outs of day trading and hear real stories from professional traders. This is the Life of a Day Trader. All right, what's up, everybody? Cameron Foos here with Foos for Trading. We got the whole squad here, Michael Spinoza and Robert Millar. Uh, today, we got an interesting topic because it's a topic that it's definitely something that we need to address because we get DMs every day asking, do we trade this? Do we trade this? Do we trade this? Do we trade Forex, options, whatever. We don't trade any of that. Okay, so we're, today we're going to talk about why we trade small caps and also talk about how important it is to find your niche in the market. Uh, find out what's working for you and roll with that. I, I was talking about this analogy the other day, something that either Mike said to me or Robert said to me, and it's like somebody coming up to a professional basketball player. It's like, man, you're playing basketball so well. Why aren't you playing hockey as well? It's like, because I'm good at basketball. That's my niche. That's what I excel at. That's where I'm making the most money. I'm not going to waste my time going and trying to play hockey at the same time. Okay, so that's the same kind of thing in day trading and finding your neat strategy. Uh, so we kind of want to break down what the other options are. Um, probably the most common one, I would say, is Forex that we hear bullshit or fluff about, which is probably, you know, if I look at my DMs today, I probably get like three or four Forex DMs like, hey, do you trade Forex? Like, I'm interested in Forex. Same. Why do you trade Forex? <laughs> so uh, I guess we could break down. Forex is trading currencies all over the world, and it trades 24-7, and you can trade it whenever you want. But the problem with Forex is I have been in this game, at least trading for 14 years now, and I haven't met a single person who actually trades Forex and is making money. The majority of it is all a MLM scam. So if you sign up for Forex or something, or if you get reached out by somebody that's trying to get you on Forex, the likelihood of it being a real Forex trader is pretty low. It's usually going to be some sort of pyramid scheme, MLM, network marketing opportunity for business. And some people are making bank doing that, but you got to understand that's not trading. It's not Forex. They're basically selling tools and trying to get people under their network to make money. So, you know, Mike, what kind of, what kind of DMs are you getting about Forex on a daily basis? Basically just like, it's too good to be true. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really just, uh, I think people, I tried to understand maybe why so many people trade. And I guess it's because of, uh, people that are overseas, right. Internationally that don't have access to the U S markets. Um, but I really have never met in person, a lot of people that trade Forex that are successful, you know, like anyone I meet that trades, it's usually always stocks, at least here in the U S. Um, yeah. I haven't personally met anyone that makes consistent money trading Forex, not to bash it, but, um, and the DMs are just obnoxious on social media, you know? Yeah, it's just a constant influx of uh, people wanting to trade Forex because there's so much advertisements and there's a lot of money. There's millions of dollars being backed in the Forex system because there's so many software companies out there that are selling tools that are all part of this MLM system that's going on. Uh, and another reason why Forex is so common is because the cost of entry is so low. A lot of these brokers out there, you can start with like, $25 or something, $50 oh, yeah, to open no, an that, account. That makes sense then. <laughs> and, and then they, they're like 50 to one leverage with $25 or $50. And so 
that's where there is a lot of people with Forex interest. But Forex brokers, a lot of it is actually not even available in the US. I think that's why a lot of the people that reach out are always from another country. Yeah, that, um, too. Because there's so many Forex brokers. When I was looking at crypto options at one point, uh, for brokers, majority of it, they wouldn't accept US clients um, because they just do Europe and Forex bullcrap. So for me personally, Forex is not my niche. So if you guys, I hope everybody who follows me watches this so they can never fucking send me a DM about <laughs> Forex. <laughs> no. um, it's It's tough though. Like, if you just Google like simple trading concepts, no matter what it is, uh, you can get led down the rabbit hole of Forex. Um, the marketing is everywhere. Yeah, that's and what I was saying. There's yeah, it is. Millions and millions of dollars backed behind Forex marketing and advertising. So you see it everywhere, especially uh, Forex is essentially considered in a technical term, also crypto, which is another. I was going to say crypto is just as bad when it was hot. In terms yeah. Of the social media and the advertisements and like it's your mailman or, or the guy cutting your haircut asking you about Bitcoin. And you're just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Dude, everybody was talking about Bitcoin. Like I remember just like even being in South Africa and that was earlier in January, I go up into a cafe and the manager comes to me like, Dude, are you Kim Rufus? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh man, so, so cool to meet you. And then so, I, we, we sit down and then He's like, oh, I wanted to talk to you about Bitcoin. I'm just like, oh, no. And Norbert just gives me the look like, oh, God. <laughs> he had no. been with me for like two months or something already. And he had seen countless people come up and want to talk to me about Bitcoin already. I'm just like, dude, like, <laughs> I don't fucking know. Like, right? it's a bubble. Okay. Anything that goes parabolic in the history of markets just like this pops <laughs> if you see something parabolic like bitcoin i don't know where bitcoin is going to go in the future but if you see a parabolic move like that it's going to crash it's a hundred percent probability that's why we will talk about what our niche is and why there is a hundred percent probability of that happening um that's that looks like do. a lot of chart a stock charts too which is why like we were all pretty good staying away when it was up yeah because it looked like the dries the, you know, HMNY, the GVOs, it's nuts. Yeah. I mean, the, there was a shitload of money to be made in the crypto market when Definitely. that ran happened. And I sat on the sidelines, like, you know, I wish I dabbled. That would have been nice. But at the same time, that's not when I look at it from the standpoint of how do we trade stocks? Is there a risk reward ratio there? If the stock's already gone parabolic, is that something we're looking to technically do? There was a lot of sympathy plays as well. That's yeah, like where a lot of yeah, like it's where a lot of people theory. made their money, um, but you know my my lack of knowledge and my lack of wanting to step outside of my niche because that's not where I am uh, avoided that. But you know, obviously, there's woulda, shoulda, couldas uh, in the market. When I was looking at Bitcoin at like five thousand after it just ripped from a thousand, I'm like, all right, I don't want to touch this thing. And then then it's at ten, it's like, all right, definitely don't want to touch this thing. And yeah. it's at twenty thousand, like. Uh, <laughs> that's when everybody did touch it, which is yeah. Everybody, that's when everybody was talking about it. That's when everybody yep. was asking me, you know, hey, are you buying Bitcoin? When it was at fifteen to twenty thousand, I'm like, fuck no, I'm not buying Bitcoin. My so, friend asked me that about it, and he said, me and my friend want to split a coin. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's when you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're thinking about going on one on one coin at twenty k. <laughs> 
<laughs> which goes think? to another benefit of small caps, you know, which we'll get into is price of entry, you know? Yeah. So those are kind of two, two of the things that we hear most commonly, guys, is crypto and Forex. Forex, I don't know anybody that makes money actually trading Forex. I know a lot of people who are doing MLM Forex that are driving around in nice cars and saying that they hold up a, a cell phone with like, I made 50 pips today, which is like yep. 20 bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. So it's clearly he's using the, the harmonic scammer, scanner or whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, so Forex, my opinion is if you want to learn how to trade Forex, I don't even know who you would go to to learn how to trade because um, I don't know anybody. Same. That's one thing that I, um, I you know, Forex has been around, I think, since the 90s. Um, but, you know, it didn't start getting crazy until about three, four years ago. Uh, and, you know, to understand currency, I mean, the banking institutions have entire buildings dedicated to researching. And I mean, are you, yeah. you know, uh, Joe Schmo with your computer um, going to be able to understand economic realities in Asia? Um, no. I mean, so, and we'll also talk about this in the small cap realm within stocks where you can have your edge. And I just don't see how you have an edge with Forex when you're like literally it's 24 seven, multiple different. That sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> 24 seven. I mean, <laughs> there was, I remember, um, I think the Swiss Frank, um, literally blew up Forex exchanges because they made some governmental decision overnight that was surprising and squeezed up a bunch of people. And literally total exchanges, like these small ones, like in Germany or whatever, gone, gone overnight. Yeah. Just totally, your money's gone. So, you know, to, how, do you, how do you educate yourself on a level like of a large banking institution? Yeah, it's you're fighting, you're trading against them, right? It's like, why would yep. you want to? No Which to small caps again. None of these. Another, thing, another thing that uh, is so fucking scammy about uh, Forex is Forex signals. Yeah. Forex signals. If you're looking at automated trading. At, yeah. Automated trading signals, whatever. Like if you're, if you're even trying to follow us for alerts or anybody that's trading for alerts, it's all bullshit. There's no such thing as copycatting a trader. You can learn how a trader trades and make the trades for yourself and mimic their strategy, but you can never follow or copycat anybody in trading. It just literally does not work uh, that way. And that's another thing that Forex does um, in a skimmy way is get our Forex signal, signals or get our software that's going to give you the correct signals uh, to make money. Okay, You can't just sell a product that generalizes signals at a mass scale and have it work. That's not how this game is. Um, so just to wrap up Forex guys, if you want to learn how to do it, I don't know who to go find as a mentor to actually learn how to trade. Just understand that the majority of it is a MLM based software selling tool and network marketing. It's not actual Forex trading. Um, so you might be able to make money doing network marketing Forex, uh, MLM shit, but it's not actual trading. So it's something you definitely need to understand about that industry and what's actually going on. Um, so other options are uh, options are options. Uh, something that I haven't really ever dabbled in. I know Mike. Um, yeah. Used to I dabble. Did. I dabbled. What was that uh, that experience like for you, Mike? 
Um, I had some nice, you know, wins, but more losses. So that was, <laughs> that was yeah. always fun. But I mean, I think it was more of a gamble and, um, there's a, a way to trade options properly now, I guess, like, you know, I see people that trade, you know, trade the weeklies or the monthlies and, um, you know, the people that trade the weeklies that are looking for like the gamble on the options, like an overnight earnings or something like that, that was always like, that never worked same way with stocks. But, um, there's a true statistic that 70% of options expire worthless. So, you know, already that, um, unless you have a system, the, the odds are against you. Yeah. Options are definitely a much higher risk depending on the way you, you trade. I know there's ways to hedge your bet on each side of the trade. So you're not risking yeah. yourself fully, but you also have to understand when you're trading an option, you are, say you put in $5,000 to an option, you're risking that entire $5,000 to lose. On a stock, if you're buying a stock at $5 and you put in $5,000, that stock has to go to zero, which is not likely going to happen overnight yeah. uh, to, to lose that entire $5,000. When you're going into options, you have to understand that you're risking that entire investment um, in a much more volatile state. There are ways to protect and hedge yourself against that, uh, but it can happen very, very quickly uh, in, with options. I'm not an options expert. I don't know really shit about options, but I know the risk involved. So it's not something that I like to do. Again, I maybe know one guy in the industry that makes money in options. Uh, I still don't know, you know, really what he does, <laughs> but uh, I don't, you know, I don't uh, know really what's going on in that industry. Um, it's not something that I do and it's not something that I see commonly uh, people actually making real money uh, in options. So it's something that I stay away from. And again, if you want to learn how to do it, uh, something that you definitely need to do a lot of research and understand the risks involved in the options. You, you might not know this, uh, Foos, but uh, when I would say, you know, I started your program and I got pretty good at it. I thought, you know, I got to the point where I was pretty consistent. It was probably about a year and a half of trading with you. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm the man, you know, stocks. I get that, you know, let's move on to options. So I, <laughs> I so I, I bought, I took some of my profits and I spent three grand on this options training course. And, uh, it, it was actually pretty good, but there is so much involved with it, with the Greeks, um, you know, the IV, uh, the, all the different types of trades and understanding how they work. And so I just went into it and, uh, and this kind of gets back to the point of, of, of having a niche. Um, you know, don't be ADD about it. You know, you find your niche, you get good at something like just stick to it. Um, and I'll tell you an example, essentially I, I started out with, a I took a five grand account and options and I mostly stuck to monthly, uh, spreads. Uh, puts and calls, and I made 20 grand in about six, seven months doing that. Um, and I lost all of it within about five weeks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gone. About op gone. Options, you can leverage your money so much. You can do like a $10,000 investment on a very high risk option, lose that 10K, but you could, you might make a hundred depending on what you're yeah. actually trading. So it's a gamble. It's like a, it's not you're risking your entire investment to go into a very high risk trade. So and that's why you, you, the, if you do get it right, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to lose with options. That's why when you do get it right, you know, with your, with your strike or your idea um, and, and everything has so many things have to go right on it uh, to, to actually to win. And when you do, 
it, you, you know, it's pretty awesome. I mean, you're talking like a big percent gain, but it, it's the odds are against you. Um, and that's why when you do win, you make a lot, but over time it was, you know, you can't get at it. You know, it's nothing. I don't think that's scammy or anything. It's just, it was just really intense. Um, and I look uh, at small gotta, caps, like liquid options, guys. That's what, that's how I look at it now. Yeah. Options. The problem is like we all said, you can lose all of your money, but the small caps, you can get that same volatility and not lose all of your money. You know, unless yeah. you're short, your entire account in a stock. <laughs> <laughs> get caught in overnight <laughs> squeeze. Small caps, you watching. get that volatility, which is the benefit yeah. as well. Yeah. I went back and never touched right. it again. Yeah, I read I read about a half of a book on options once, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. <laughs> this is really complicated. I'm out. <laughs> uh, but anyways, guys, okay, so those are kind of the 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 different things that we can most commonly trade. There's uh like futures and stuff. I don't know anything about futures, uh, but so I'm not even gonna go there. But you know, basically forex, watch out, MLM, options. You're risking everything to make a lot, but you're also, again, risking everything that you have. That can, you can blow your account up extremely quick. Small caps, which is what we trade. So I wanted to start talking about this, guys. Some people call them penny stocks. Some people call them small caps. You can call them whatever you want. I'll basically break down what we actually trade and why. So I consider it small caps. I actually removed, I think in 2016 or 17, I removed the word penny stock from my entire website because it's not technically what we do. And I was so sick of people trying to pinhole us as penny stock traders. I don't consider myself a penny stock trader. I'll trade stocks under a dollar, but that's not what my focus is. I like to trade small cap stocks under 20 million shares of float. Um, that's basically it. Stocks between one to five to maybe upwards to ten dollars per share, sometimes upwards of twenty. But the most key factors there are stocks with relatively low market cap and usually under twenty million share float. The reason being is because this is where the volatility is in small caps, is what I'm going to call them. And that's basically what our niche is. It's what I like to trade. It's what Mike likes to trade. It's what the entire Fusfor system is all about trading uh, because there's volatility there and you can make a lot of money without having to risk everything like in options. You're actually trading. You're not doing an MLM scam. This is actually real trading. So I know, Mike, you had just written down the list right before we just did yeah. this with the topics we're going to go over. Yeah. Um, so why don't you start off with number one? That's number one, one basically, is um, the public mi uh, misconception of penny stocks. And, you know, um, the true definition of a penny stock is a stock under $5. But everyone thinks penny stock is like those stocks that are literally one to two cents or like they're 0 .00, you know, one five. Yeah. And um, that's why there's really a public misconception that that's there. And, um, you know, that's the first one is, Good reason you took off penny stocks is because it's really small cap stocks, um, stocks that are under two billion market cap, low float, um, and there's plenty of liquidity for anyone to trade. You know, a pretty decent dollar amount. Um, it's not people talk about, oh well, we, can you get in? Can you get out? There's these stocks trade sometimes ten to sixty million shares a day. Um, so it's way different from the whole penny stock, you know, looking for the stock that's 0 0.005 to go to a dollar. That's like the same people that play the lottery. Um, but these small caps can rip a thousand percent. Sometimes, you know, we've seen stocks go from a buck to 20. Um, so that's why we trade them. But everyone should understand that there's a difference between the, the one cent stocks and the 50 cent plus stocks. 
Yeah, and that's something. So when I first got started trading in 2005, that's what I was. I was a penny stock trader, as in 0.005 cent stocks. <laughs> that was nice. like that, that was like my go-to shit. And because that's I was part of Three Stocks on Fire.com. That's where I started 2005, and that's kind of what their niche was at the time. They're they're kind of focused on they were focused on small caps, but there were so many hot penny stocks per se. I'm going to call penny stocks like something like under 20 cents uh, in this setting that I'm talking about. Hmm. Uh, and a lot of that was OTC. So the market has completely changed since 2005. That was 14 years ago or whatever when I started. Um, but there was money to be made. It was very difficult to be consistent uh, doing that. And I blew up my account three times, uh, two of them because I was trying to trade these penny stocks. You could hit a big win. This is almost kind of going back to options. You could be like, all right, I'm going to catch one of these, you know, stocks that go up 500% and I'm going to buy it at two cents. It's going to go to 10 cents, which is a huge move, but that's kind of like swinging for the fence or making a big risk gamble. Trying to do that consistently is not going to happen. So that's not what we do. If you're looking at what we're doing, or if you're asking if we trade penny stocks, we don't trade per se penny stock stocks. Usually, I, I try to not go under fifty cents per share. One of the one of the patterns that we trade is called the the gold pattern. Uh, something that I coined back in like two thousand seven or eight when I did the first original Foos Ford training, and that's a stock that has been trading under a dollar for you know six months to a couple of years and has a breakout pattern over a dollar. A dollar is a huge significant level yeah. when it breaks out over that mark. That's kind of like okay, this stock is no longer a penny stock per se, and now it's coming back into real stock territory. And a lot of times those would turn into fifty to three hundred percent rippers. Uh, and that was kind of my favorite pattern to play. So those aren't even actually around too often anymore. I remember that pattern. That was the go-to. Yeah. <laughs> La- the last time I traded that pattern, I had 40,000 shares. And then I went to the strip club, with, strip club with Robert. Oh, <laughs> I was up 45 grand on it. And then I slept into the open and I came back and I lost like 5K. <laughs> I remember because I wasn't on the team at that point, And I remember being like, no, where's this guy Fooster? He's definitely. Oh, the whole, I'm sure the whole chat room is like, dude. Like, up. Honestly, that was the last gold pattern I ever traded. It was, that's it. That's, it's done. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Most of the time we trade the now Foos, right? It's like, we look for that momentum over. And then it's just, yeah. we trade, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I mean, did notice that with the gold patterns. Um, they they wouldn't like back in the day. I remember they would break that dollar mark, and that was a real significant punch, and it would just kind of stay there. Yeah, and it started to kind of those gold patterns started to kind of okay, it would do it, and then everyone would be like, oh okay, it did it, and then the volume would fall down. And so, what would usually happen? There'd be it would go up to like a dollar to like a dollar ten to a dollar twenty five, and there'd be a shitload of volatility of selling going up and down, and then it would decide if it was going to continue up or down. So uh, th- and this is also just due to the fact of more and more retail traders coming into the game, being able to come in and actually trade. So the game has definitely been evolving hugely since I started trading in two thousand five. Today's market is almost ran by fucking chat rooms and other people like creating shit on Twitter or whatever. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. So, but there's a lot of money to be made in this in this volatility. Just like Mike was saying, you know, you need to trade options to get that volatility. There's so many retail traders out there that are creating all this volatility. Uh, 
in the markets. And all we're doing is taking advantage of lack of knowledge. It's like Mike was saying, it's just an exchange of wealth from people that know what they're doing and not knowing what they're doing. <laughs> and so that's, that's a good one. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just a, a lack of knowledge and lack of ed- education of one, patterns, and two, most importantly, just psychology, human nature, psychology, understanding when people are buying, when people are getting stuck into positions where they're about to stop out. Uh, and that's kind of what we talk about a lot and teach at Foos4. So Mike, why don't you talk a little bit about just like your thoughts on the psychology of trading and how it's changed since yeah. you started, especially yeah. just trading small caps and the change in volatility. I feel like either it's changed or, or my look on it has changed due to like what yeah. I've experienced, you know? And um, I said this in a recent interview that these technicals and um, another reason why we trade small caps is because they're technically friendly with charts. Um, you can look at it and perceive it as an illustration of human behavior, all of these charts, right? Like just look at a chart that goes parabolic and you just see all the people that are having the FOMO or they want to just play that momentum. And then when you see that, you know, it starts to reverse, you think about how many of those people that are going to need to sell eventually. And, um, you know, you want to get in before they start dumping if you're going to short it. So this is where you start to think about the market from that aspect, as opposed to like just a, a candle or a price, you know? Yeah, no, human psychology is, I mean, the entire stock market is run off of human emotion, other than algorithms that are now implemented in a lot of large caps. But yeah. A lot of small caps. I mean, I don't know what how much algo activity is going on in them, if any at all. I don't know, but all of it is driven by human psychology, human emotion of fear and greed. When a stock starts going up, oh shit, I want to buy in. I have FOMO. I want to continue driving this stock up, and then it gets to a point where it's parabolic, just like every parabolic stock goes up. There's a 100% probability that that stock is going to have a pop or a pullback, and that's what we yeah. focus on when we short. And that's why we've been shorting so much the last year or two because the probability is there we know for a fact that there is going to be a point in time when this stock pulls back and that all this boils down to when is the supply and demand over of people having fomo and then to the people having fear and yeah. panic 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 selling and that's what you take advantage advantage of on the short side is taking advantage of people's fear after they get in because they had FOMO and bought at the top and then they all start panicking like, oh shit, it's not going up anymore. It's starting to crash. And then we yeah. try to take advantage of that and go on the short side. It's so, also easier to do that. I feel like Foos on small caps and large caps, which is another topic that um, it's easier to read some of these charts on these small caps, I feel like, than these large caps. Um, like Tesla, you know, you look at a daily chart on that thing and I have no idea what that thing's going to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Intraday, especially for me, it's, it just seems a little bit more unpredictable, um, a little bit more kind of you can correlated get with the market. Also, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the daily chart of Tesla right now. I'll pull it up on the screen. I'm just like, I, there's, there's like nothing, right. nothing going on here that I right. have fucking any idea. Where's your edge? You know, it's just like, okay, what are you going to do with this on a day to day basis if you're day trading, <laughs> right? There's no people do like you know. That people do crush it, right? But more than that, it's definitely it's not an easy stock to trade from a technical standpoint. It's actually pretty similar to the Dow Jones. So if you look at Tesla right here, and let me pull up the Dow chart, it's like okay, just a bunch of fuckage back and forth. Like, you know, I mean, if you look at some moving averages here, the 200-day moving EMA, it's been 
going along it. But at the same time, you know, if you try to trade the Dow, it's a very hard stock to, or indice to just trade. If you're trying to trade an indice, it's very difficult. And that's kind of like what Tesla looks like right now. Uh, something like this, something that we traded today was CVM. This is actually uh, kind of a revival slash gold pattern uh, that you're going to see a lot in uh, in our training. This is just a, a standard revival breakout pattern. If you guys don't know what a revival is, it's basically a stock where the lead in trend is bearish that you can see here and then forms up a triangle breakout pattern or a flat bottom kind of breakout pattern that we see here on CVM. I didn't trade this to the long side uh when this first initially broke but just for an example what i was talking about um how kind of breakouts changed we used to just see clean break 2005 through like 2007 it would okay stock broke out we have a clean breakout it's going up uh but a lot of times now you can see once this broke out over a dollar 10 the next day was chaotic this candle like it was down and it was back up and then it closed down that's what we see a lot now after breakouts in the daily chart is a candle like this where it's a little bit all over the place and then yeah. decides if it's going to go up or go down. So a lot of people get shook out on these secondary breakout dates before it actually continues when you're swing trading. I don't do a whole lot of swing trading anymore because I don't want to deal with this fucking stress where the stock is down <laughs> at fucking $1.07 and I bought it on the breakout and I'm like, I have no idea what it's going to do down here. And then it closes back up and then it goes back up to 130 and then it back down here at 110. I'm like, that was stressful to hold through that entire day <laughs> to find out if it's going to break out the next day. Uh, so I like to take advantage of just intraday action. I think Mike, you shorted this. Yeah. We actually both, we double teamed this stock. You hit it short, I think at what? 165. Yeah. 165. I just scalped it because um, again, I thought this was going to rip higher, you know, with the revival pattern, but um, ended up crashing. And then um, I think you bottom, you bounced it on the long, pretty nice on the bottom. Yeah. So that was like, I put this on the watch list last night. Like I'm looking to potentially long this for a magnet to $2 per share because it is kind of a revival gold pattern. Yeah. Gold pattern is usually a much longer term uh, breakout, but this is revival. And I wanted to see its magnet. We call it a magnet because it's just drawn towards that level to on a breakout to the next whole number. There's also the 200 day moving average. So I would have potentially longed on a pre-market high day break at about 170 just for a quick 30 cent push towards that 190 to $2 level, which is also the 200 day moving average. And then consider short if we got in the 220 to 230 area, but we did it. So once that cracked this morning, Mike got short, took advantage of that dip. And then I actually started buying in at about 138, 139 here. Once it started retesting these kind of fake out lows. Uh, once we see kind of like after the stock is already down significantly, it was already SSR, short sell restriction, which means you can't short into momentum. Uh, so people have to short when the stock is upticking. So when I was seeing these breakdowns on this low, I wasn't thinking, okay, people are going to start panicking. People are going to jump in short. I feel like people might get trapped here on the short side. And then we start my start my might start bouncing. So I actually loaded up 10,000 shares between 138, 139, and then just took a quick scalp. My risk was at about uh, the low a day, oh, 137. Day, yeah. And then I was looking for about a 10 cent move or so. Uh, and it bounced up to 149. I sold about 146 to 147, I believe. Just a quick scalp, not not a typical like big move that I'm looking for, but that's kind of what we've been dealing with in the market is this these scout moves. And this actually yeah. had a big move up to the upside uh, 
150. Another thing that this was also something that I talk about a lot in Foos 4, the original, is that usually when you see a big, this is called a white marabozu. I haven't said that fucking word in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Breakout candle. Uh, a lot of times, if it's going to be have some sort of continuation, it'll retest the midpoint of the breakout candle. So the midpoint of the breakout candle on this was around 140, which is also around where this was dipping to 140s. If we look back here, this is also in that same range of support back here. So I was basically just using these as kind of the base one midpoint of the breakout candle two, this previous uh, consolidation. And I started nibbling 5,000, another 5,000. And then just took the quick squeeze to the upside. Cause obviously there's a bunch of people that shorted this. They're going to cover this at some point. That's where I would have been covering. <laughs> yeah. Right up, uh, right up on that pop. So uh, just a quick little scalp. And that, so that's just kind of an example of, you know, we're, this is August, this is slow season. Um, so we've been taking a lot of scalps on these trades. So this was just an example of utilizing two different sides of the trade. I didn't short it. Mike did. He made some bank. I longed it. Mike didn't long it. And we both made money on both sides of the trade, utilizing the things that we uh, teach you guys in the Foos4 system. So this is just what's nice about small caps is that they're just a lot more predictable. It's more identifiable. There's a lot Definitely. less competition. If you're in the, the large cap, you're trading against algos, you're trading against institutions, hedge funds. There's a lot of smart people who are probably a lot smarter than you. And like I said just before, trading is nothing more a transference of wealth. And that wealth is determined. The transfer of that wealth is determined by your knowledge and understanding of human psychology and technical patterns so there's a bunch of dummies and me and mike just took advantage of a bunch of dummies here basically <laughs> uh how that trade worked out so uh moving on uh what was kind of the next um honestly we're basically here? banging them all out and just you know throwing them all together day trade <laughs> charts yeah. being technically friendly that's really the big thing guys is the technically friendly because just to give my experience um i used to trade a lot of fundamentals when i knew when i knew zero charts um and i couldn't time shit <laughs> you know yeah. wait, you would wait a couple weeks or a couple months for something to happen and like what's nuts with these charts and the timing um is that like we can anticipate a stock breaking out or breaking down 20 or 30 percent um so without charts, how are you going to be able to predict that? Um, you're not. So you can predict it way easier on small caps, a 10, 10 to 30% move, and you can Tesla for sure. Yeah. So small caps, guys, just like you saw there, there's volatility. It's easily playable on both sides of the trade. Um, and that's what we kind of focus on doing. Like I, when I first started trading, I was only longing for probably 10 years. That's all I did was go long. I had about a year in between there where I started to short. I was like, all right, I want to learn how to short stocks. I want to make money on the both sides of the, both sides of the trade. And I had a couple of good trades, but I also had a lot of losing trades and I had one huge losing trade. Uh, and that just wiped me out as far as me wanting to short him. I'm like, all right, I'm making all this money going long still, but I'm also trying to go short and it's, eating away all my profits and <laughs> making going long. And then I had one big one that I lost like eight to 10 grand on. I think it was called, it was Ren or Den. Ren, Ren. Yeah. I believe. And 
that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta understand about shorting as well is that it takes a lot of risk management. This is why we usually try to teach people to go long first because it's easier kind of to understand the risk management of going long. Um, when you're going short, there's per se unlimited loss potential because you can short a stock at a dollar and that thing can go to a hundred dollars and that technically you can lose a lot more money that's in your account but if you buy a stock at a dollar you can only lose as if it goes down to zero you lose whatever you put into that stock but if it goes to a hundred you just lost you know a hundred times the amount of money you even have you could potentially owe your broker money usually they're going to give you a margin call or whatever stop you out uh, before that happens, but that's technically what could happen in shorting and why the risk management is so much more important unless you understand the risk management of going long first, you're you're playing with fire going short. So it's a more difficult strategy to learn, but the reason why we do it is because the fact that it is more difficult, that means it's a bigger edge. There's less Definitely. people shorting than there is going long. So me and Mike always talk about having an edge in the market and there's something called locating for shorts, um, stocks that are readily available short. That means that everybody can short it. So that means there's less of an edge because more people are actually doing that. You have less of a insider tip per se uh, on that trade. So it's important to have that edge. Being able to short is definitely an edge over people that only know how to long. You know how to make money on both sides of the trade. Um, and that's what's so great about small caps. I think most people who make the most money in small caps are all making money on the majority of this side of going short. So yeah, I would agree. Uh, yeah, I, I remember when you did that. That was pretty. Uh, it's tough to reverse your thinking. Like a lot of people, um, when I first, I hated shorters. I hated the idea of shorting, and I would get pissed if anyone, if I was like on Twitter and someone like was short the stock, I was long. <laughs> Like, like that, you, you know, the guys I'm talking about, you know, some of the big shorters that are still out there today. So, um, I saw Foose, you, you really just like, I mean, you, you spent a long time just kind of reinventing your thinking and that was pretty inspiring just to do that. Um, and, uh, it wasn't easy. Me. No, no, it definitely, uh, but how did that, um, uh, affect your longing once you got it? Did, did, did you see Besides, now you short a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, basically, I probably, I mean, the last two days, I think made most of my money going long, but I typically am like 90% short. Um, but the, the difference is what happened was I was trading so many breakouts. That's what I was, where I was making all my money for years. And what happened is that my breakouts were continually more and more turning into false breakouts. So I had to basically, I realized that I wasn't making as much money as I was going long anymore. I was like, all right, I'm just getting fucking stopped out. All these are turning to, to false breakouts. And what I noticed is that once those false breakouts happen, that's basically a trap. Everybody who bought in that breakout now panics and sells. Yeah. And it turns into mom huge momentum on the downside for potentially going short. So I kind of had to reverse engineer my thinking process of where a breakout used to always mean buy to now once a breakout happens, a lot of times I'm more so looking like, all right, I hope this thing fails because I'm going to short this thing and <laughs> take advantage of everybody who just that bought that long. And then they're going to freak out while I'm shorting their long. And then they're going to sell because they're panicking and that's going to continue to push down the stock. So it was really just an understanding of 
seeing that the breakouts weren't as clean as they used to be and having to adapt to the new environment of potentially going short. And then I started making money going short. I was like, man, I've been making the money going long for so long that going short is something new. And I was like, all right, I have like a revived passion for trading. This is so much more fun. And just yep. the, the thought of going short when things are going down and when most people are like, Oh, I hate trading or, Oh, the market sucks. Like, you know, like I'm like, die, you know, <laughs> but what do we say? We like, we profit at the misfortunes of others. <laughs> One of our students was saying that at some point or you're cracking, cracking up. up. Uh, but yeah, so, but it's also important to, it's really important to understand the psychology and the technical analysis of both sides of the trade, because if you're going along a bunch, you don't understand what people are thinking that love to short or that are looking for the short, you're definitely going to be at a disadvantage because that also goes into targeting your profit targets, picking your profit targets. Cause you're like, if you're long, you see a breakout, you're going into a play. You're like, all right, where are people going to start ramming this thing short? Because I want to get out when that happens because otherwise you're going to get a little small spike and then the stocks could come back down you're going to give away back all your profits so it's important you understand where shorts might be coming in heavy if you are long a stock so you have to understand both sides of the trade uh when it comes to small caps or just stocks in general but for us in small caps it happens very very quickly uh you know a lot of times you can have $500 profit, $1,000 profit. And you're like, all right, this trade's going good. Then two seconds later or two minutes or a minute or something, you're back down to break even or at a loss. So a lot of times it's just scalping, which is a lot what we've been doing lately, just like both trades that me and make Mike made on CVM. We're just quick in and out scalps. Uh, and that's it. So uh, anyways, guys, I think that's about it for today's podcast. Uh, unless you guys have any closing Arguments, Robert and Mike, if there's any topics or anything you had left to say. Robert, I'm good. I think we hit everything. Yeah, we did hit it pretty pretty good there. Um, and um, I think, yeah. Uh, I can have one question. <laughs> what do you think, um, back to small caps and uh, the um, uh, you know trading on healthy exchanges, I always try – you, you know, even if you're trading, say, a $3 stock, you know, you're still trading like a NASDAQ, right? So uh, that's probably, I would say, like 80% of what we trade is on the NASDAQ, right? That's I don't know if anybody has ever. All on the, all in the NASDAQ occasionally. Yeah. I honestly don't even look anymore. I don't think it even yeah. lists on yeah. my yeah. TC. As long as there's not, a, most of the time, not OTC, I'm trading it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long go. as it fits my criteria, usually under 20 million share float, lower market cap in my range if there's volatility uh yeah. you know that's one thing that me and mike always talk about is like there's a pattern here but the volatility or the liquidity uh is no good if you guys don't know what liquidity is it just basically refers to the amount of shares being exchanged over the course of the stock trading so you have to have liquidity if you want to be trading you know position sizing five to ten to fifteen to twenty fifty thousand dollar positions you have to have enough volume and liquidity there to actually get in and out of that trade without you know ramping the stock in different directions uh, because there's nobody on the bid and ask to actually there there's no supply and demand so there has to be liquidity and that's definitely a huge Which factor in our trading. On. There's others out there that focus on stuff with very little liquidity or very little setups and just be careful of that. Make sure you understand, you know, 
liquidity of what you're trading um, when you get in. Uh, so we try to focus on healthy, you know, volume, NASDAQ plays. Uh, you know, if we do trade a lower float type stock, you know, we generally kind of say, you know, you've been pretty good at letting people know. All right, yeah. you know, right? low floater, big spread, trade accordingly, you know. Uh, yeah, trade so I mean, basically, basically what's going <laughs> down, what's happening in today's market is there's some other people that have chat rooms out there that have a lot of people in there and they're identifying stocks with very, very low liquidity that are also super low float and they're telling everybody in their room to buy it and it's creating an artificial market to influence the stock to go up. A lot of times it'll even move so quick that it halts because there's no liquidity in the stock yeah. and it goes up, halts. And what we do, you guys know who you are. We're, we're actually taking advantage of your fucking bullshit manipulation and then we're shorting those stocks. So um, it's because we know it's bullshit. We know it's fluff. That's we where the transfer of wealth exists. <laughs> yeah. It's, yes. it's, it's artificial. So we know that. And it's you'll get to understand if you start watching the small caps a lot and these low floaters, you can instantly look at a, a move and identify just by looking at the liquidity and the volume that just came in out of nowhere. This is a chat room pump. It's not something that's not easy to identify after watching stocks for the past 14 years. So it is going on. It's happening every day. It's part of the market. And we're taking advantage of that stuff uh, a lot on the short side because we know it's an artificial market. But anyways, guys, that is wrapping it up for today's episode of Life of Day Trader podcast with the FUS4 trading team. If you want to learn how to day trade with us on a regular basis, we have the Discord trading chat room that we're in five days a week. We also got the hangout room. We got the gaming channel. So we're always hanging out in Discord. We got a huge community of awesome people in there um, and also mentors in there to help you guys out. Uh, so I would love to have you guys join. There's going to be some links below if you guys want uh, lifetime access for just $99 to our Discord chat room. Uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, I will catch you guys in the next. Peace out, Robert. Peace out, Mike. Thanks for Peace, guys. Catch you guys in the next episode.